implicit bias and they stop them by profiling because the job of a police officer is to profile. That's Ooh, part of our job. Speak function, on that. Is to profile because if you look like a thug and walk like a thug and talk like a thug, nine times out of ten you're going to be a thug. But there are some people that like the way that looks and they come through the neighborhood for the most part if you're a good cop and you know how it goes, you know who you know people on your beat, you know people that live in that community. If somebody's out of place, when we say out of place, that means you're a disciple and you're in a Blackstone or Vice Lord neighborhood. You out of place, pimp. You know what I'm saying? You might get killed. I I where you need to ride to. Or you got your hat broke off to the left and you in a motherfucking disciple neighborhood. You already know before you get to the end of this block, somebody didn't call the head and they might shoot you up. That's that's Chicago. You know what I'm saying? But I know in other places it is that. It is that. There's a there go that black boy that, that nigga over there walking down the street. Hey, he gotta be up to something. Yeah, that 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 happens. I ain't denying that one at all. But our demographic here is totally different because we don't live in mixed communities. So when a black person calls the police and says he's suspicious, that's because they scared. That mean that that motherfucker got a pole on him. Mm. He got a pistol. This is Lennon and welcome to the Bruz Book Tip. The following podcast is designed to provoke thought, spark dialogue, educate and entertain. The perspectives and language may trigger a range of emotions from laughter to angst and possibly anger. Follow the Bros Bookshelf on IG and Facebook. Leave us a message. We love to hear your thoughts on the podcast. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you listen to. We welcome your feedback and thank you for listening. This podcast, we're reviewing Matthew Horace's The Black and the Blue. A cop reveals the crimes, racism, and injustice in America's law enforcement. Enjoy. Welcome to the Bros Bookshelf with your host, Lennon Givens, Dr. Harvey Hinton, and today we joined by a special guest. I met our next guest in the fall of 2012 at a really, really good brother's house, Brother Freddie B, who hosts the annual breakfast on Founders Day at his home. Dog was full of energy, told great stories, and I discovered he was an overall good person, stand-up man, solid bro. That's the type of person you can kick it with and call a friend. But just get a little background. He attended the University of Illinois and finished with his criminal justice degree from Calumet College and the MBA at St. Xavier University. He started in law enforcement in 1994 as a Cook County Sheriff. Then in 1996, he joined the Chicago Police Department. He's worked on the gang tax unit, the drug and gang housing enforcement, school resource officer, public housing, FBI task force, Internal Affairs Division, and presently a sergeant, just to name a few. He pledged 2010 in what I consider the livest, the oldest graduate chapter I ever visit or been a part of. New Pie Chapter of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated in Joliet, Illinois, where he held positions as bossless, vice bossless, keeper of finances, and so many more. I could take up this whole entire podcast naming all the positions and all the accolades 
without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Brother Don. Hey, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Let hey, Tim man, no problem, brother, man. We got the Tim D. The Tim D. Of course. Bro, man, I, I mean, I was so excited when I called you and you picked up that phone and I told you that we was reading this book, The Black and the Blue by Matthew Horse. And you said that you would read it and get on the podcast, man, because we need we need you to validate this police book. You know what? It's I I can tell you this job is a gift and a curse. Mm. And it's a curse in that you will never be the same. And you can be Mm. you begin to differentiate who's your friend and who isn't because of by virtue of the office that you hold. Uh, it's a gift and a curse only because I'm black. So I've always worked in disadvantaged communities because that's where I'm from. So I'm presently in Inglewood, which is probably the worst community in the country. It's only 20 blocks by 20 blocks, 67,000 residents, uh, of which everybody lives in poverty. But I grew up there. My dad is from there. Uh, my grandparents from there. And it wasn't always like that, but that's what it is now. And uh, to see what it's become, you know, it's, it's, it's disheartening. So that's why I'm there, because I can make a difference. You know what I'm saying? Even even just to talk to uh, some of the youth to get them to, to see life in a different perspective. You know, sometimes that could... Uh, change your life. Shit. I mean, I met you, Lenny, in, in Inglewood. Remember? When I was coming over there, when I had to get you on the on playing chess a couple oh, times. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Is my crib in your district, your 20 by 20 district? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's still in Inglewood. Okay. Alright. Yeah. Cool. When I was in drug house enforcement, I shut them two houses down across the street from me. Oh, okay. Okay. I had them boarded up in the one on the corner. So yeah. So dog, tell me what that feels like. Like the and there was there were there were officers in the book who, you know, even the lead author, he spoke about how many people come into law enforcement with the the desire to do well in the community. And not long after, if you're in the wrong situation, you realize that you're not making a difference. You're seeing the revolving door. And so when you say that you shut those houses down, like, what does that feel like? And what was, yeah, like, what, what, what next? I mean, how does that feel when you do something like that? Well, it's, it's, it's an accomplishment for the community because uh, they were selling dope out of it. Um, somebody got shot in one of the places. And it's not like we, we give the owner an opportunity to get his house in compliance and be a good neighbor. And so many people have the idea that they don't have to be good neighbors. And that's the reason why our communities are failing because nobody will stand up to them. So uh, I joined this job just because I wanted to make a difference. Uh, I don't get discouraged. Well, I'm the bruh, so I ain't going to never get discouraged about nothing. So, I'm just going to persevere and keep going. I mean, any little bit helps. And if if you let them defeat you and you quit, you're not doing those 
service. I mean, if you can help one person, then then you've done something. It does feel good that I have taken children and molded them. Like we got a couple high schools in uh, that district and uh, the bros actually run the schools, like security, the principal. And so like, are you- like Lenny, I don't, I don't know if you know them, but like majority of all the kids, they come, all of all the guys, the boys, they come back Omega men. They come, they the bros. They went to Russ. They KB bros, YE bros, you know, and they and they came back to the city and now they in education and helping, but they was from that community and that's what we need more of. People to return mm. back to the communities they came from and not give up on them. That kind of goes into the book where he was giving stories and accounts on police officers policing communities that's really not from that community and having like an implicit bias towards people because they are not familiar with yes. those people. That's that's true. I mean, you can't be effective in, unless you have a, a, a personal connection with that community that yes, you police. That's true. That's that's true. So. so but Don, that, to that, if that's true, help me understand and look again. What does it feel like to shut down a crack house or a drug house in the hood? If there's this narrative that the people in the dope house are the people who've been deprived from the hood, so they only doing what they know to do. Like, let's jump into this, dog. Like, how do we deal with that? I mean, that's what they say. Okay, in saying that. I always give somebody a chance. Give them a chance because I got a chance. I got an opportunity to leave. The systemic issues that we have going on around the country, and especially in Chicago, a place that's the most, probably the most segregated city in the country, you have to remove these people from places like that. So we, when we shut the houses down, when I put them out their house and had the house boarded up, there was social services for them. The people that wasn't, the person that actually committed the crime went to jail, of course, but the other people that was affected by it, we got them new residents and we got them residents outside of that community, somewhere where they could have a, a chance. Some of the people that's in that community have never went outside of it. They've never been downtown. They never, it's, it's so bad that I mean, I used to, when I was a school officer, I, t- I took some kids to a Bulls game. My dad had season tickets and I went and bought a bunch of little, uh, little cheapos, took the kids there, man. First time they ever went there. I changed, I changed them kids just by doing that. They saw something different. So when I shut that house down, it was a necessary evil. It wasn't, I didn't get an accomplishment from, uh, displacing somebody from their home, the good this time outweighed the bad because they were terrorizing the neighborhood, shooting it up, intimidating right. the citizens on there, uh, stealing, robbing, everything. And yeah, it's a consequence of the social economic stuff we have going on, but I remember a time in that community where there was decent folks. Let me ask you this. The book talk about the the many different hats that police have to take on. Yes. But when you're in academy, you're only taught one of these roles. And the role is to 
be a law enforcement and, and enforce the law. But when you get out in the real world, what they call the on-job experience, you find yourself wearing many different roles. And, and the book talks about like how police officers become more of a um, more of a uh, customer service position versus a law enforcement position. Like, you know, just little nuisance calls or they'll call you for mental health issues. Right. Yes. So they call you for all these things that you guys are not trained to do. You guys are not trained mental health advocates. First thing people do is call 911. And you guys are also not social workers. So with that being said, when you guys are planning to bust a drug house, do you guys have plans before you go in and, and remove all those people to make sure that you have something in place for the rest of the residents in that building to get a new a new place to stay, or is that an afterthought? No, uh, <clears throat> it used to be like that. It used to be like we come in, we locking people up. Those that aren't don't do nothing, they stay. Those that have that are uh, subject of the warrant went with us. Now there's all kind of contingency plans. I, at least in Chicago, I can't speak for some of these other police departments because I've seen some of the stuff they do, like. With the 846, that would have never happened in Chicago because after we put you in custody, we sit you straight up. That's just, that's. Now, what's the 846? That, that, when them, when them, uh, I'm about to start cussing. When those officers had their knees in George Floyd's okay. back. So a lot of different policies stuff are different. In Chicago, if we do a warrant, we go through it. It has to be logged, has to be signed by a judge. Uh, after the state's attorney approves it, the sec- everybody has to have a job. So security, somebody's going to breach the door, somebody with the long gun, uh, somebody's going to do the searching, somebody's going to secure the prisoners and, and, and make sure that the scene is safe, that we got to have a uniform car show up so they when they see that it's a uniform car in front of the door, they know we the police when we when we when we when we go in, but we don't have we don't serve no knock uh, warrants in 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 Chicago, so we don't have uh, a lot of issues that a lot of people have. But if someone is di- displaced because of the warrant, we get them housing. But that's Chicago. I've heard that they don't do that in a lot of places. So, but, 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 but we the third largest city in the country. So in the book, they talk about Chicago in the past and the corruption gangsta in shit. Chicago. <laughs> dating back real, all the way to real gangster <laughs> shit. It's it, real gangster. I, I read that part. That's true. Watch. It's real gangster. What's his name? Watch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Let me, let, Hold on, let me let, let me read this little uh, thing about Watts. In the most recent case, Cook County prosecutors threw out the convictions of 15 African-American men in November 2017 in the first massive exoneration in the history of Chicago's courts. The men had been framed on a plethora of phony charges by a group of drug dealing Chicago cops led by a name infamous on the city's south side, Sergeant Ronald Watts. For years, Watts had been forcing residents and drug dealers in one of the South Side neighborhoods to pay him protection money. If they didn't, they would concoct bogus cases against them and send them to prison, 
Residents complained to the police departments and in court, but judges, prosecutors, and police internal affairs investigators all believed the testimony of Watts and his corrupt cops. Watts was finally caught when he tried to rob a federal agent acting as a drug carrier. The arrest resulted in a relatively minor charge, and Watts, the man who sent scores of men to prison for hundreds of years on phony charges, was sentenced to a mere 22 months in custody. He was out years before his victims were exonerated. Attorneys estimate there may have been as many as 500 convictions tainted by Watts. Ironically, seven of the officers who alleged framed the men with Watts were still on the department and working the streets on the day the men's cases were thrown out. That's hmm. fucked up. Hmm. Watts, I, I work with Watts. <laughs> I work with Watts before he became a sergeant. We worked in the same unit. When he became my sergeant, matter of fact, Crystal Kingsmith was one of the sergeants in the unit with us. So she worked She worked with him. She worked with him. So, yeah, they were sergeants. Oh, okay, together. yeah, they talked about her. Is this a brother? Is a, this a white dude? He's a Sigma. He's black. Stop. Yes. Yeah. Figures. So, uh, so when he God damn. when he took over our team, I left. I left. I got because I went to school down in the area in which we were working, and people were telling me some of the things that was going on with him. So I just didn't want to be a part of that. And I remember before he was like he wasn't always like they say he was. So how do you go? How do you get corrupt? Do you get corrupt because of money? And you underpaid or you, I guess that's, that's not a really good question. That's a great question, dog. Yeah, it's a great question, dog. So I'm going to tell you, it's things that's fundamentally wrong with uh, police contracts and especially ours. Nobody should work in the same area for too long because you get, that's when all that can happen. Here it is. They sent Watts go back to work in the area he grew up in. So, depending on the character, I said he was a Sigma. You know what I'm saying? He might, you know, go and do something like that. <laughs> he let that power, he let that power get, get to his head because he wasn't that dude. He wasn't that dude. I, I'm telling you, he wasn't that dude. So... That's 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 how that's how things like that can happen. You have to be able to, as part of management, you should be able to move these people around. You start seeing be people become jaded. Like here it is, this this my last week of working, I see nine people get killed. Right, um, that will take a toll on you. Everybody's not meant mm -hmm. to do that. Some people can handle this. Some. Some of them can't. That's why you see cops eating their guns, becoming alcoholics, uh, the domestic abuse at home. You know, all those things become a factor when you see stuff like that all the time. And, and they should be able in their contracts to move people when you start seeing signs that these guys can't handle it. I've been in eight shootings since I've been on the job, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it don't affect me. This job will consume you and they have to have people 
and in place that'll pull that trigger and we just say, hey, bro, you need to go off on disability. You can't handle it no more. It's it's over with for you. The ideology of police, like when I got on the job, is this your job forever? No, it's your job as long as you can perform the functions and the tasks that you're given. You got to change that way of thought because it's just like, Lenny, like I own that GNC and that Jimmy John's. Mm -hmm. Hey, man, you can't do what you're supposed to do, man. You got to go. See, but these unions stopped all that from happening. So they got these unions and everybody got this. Where's us against them? No, man, we are part of the community and we got to embrace that. So as a profession, because they're made to now before, they wasn't. So it was like we Gestapo. You look like an occupying force in the community. Everybody has to find some mental resilience to deal with the shenanigans. But I wonder if it's just a matter of it's not in how long you can take it. It's a matter of how many do you see before, okay, this is enough. Okay, two murders. This is, this is enough. Okay, he's seen it two times. That's enough. As opposed to the idea that some people can handle it better than others, which I do agree, but it's, I don't know the, how, we, how we agree on the measures. Now, now, the measures is different depending on who it is because you can keep on suppressing uh, the stuff you see. Like, I ain't going to lie. When I first got on this job, I was just amazed. My first year on the job, I started in Inglewood. There was 121 people killed in Inglewood in a year. It was shootings left and right. Uh, but there was the same streets that you was running. So why, how, how did those numbers be different all of a sudden? Because they took the gang leadership out. So when they took the gang leadership out, they wouldn't allow. They would, if you made a mistake and shot a kid, they would call the police station and tell you, hey, the guy you looking for that shot the kid, he in St. Bernard. They would beat the fuck out you and shoot you and drop you off at a hospital and you go do your time in the penitentiary. That's how the gangs in Chicago ran. You, if you made a mistake like that or if you did something so bogus that they couldn't make their money selling drugs, oh, man. You come in the station, you he been and walked in and went upstairs and turned himself in. He'd rather go to jail than, than face the gang when they tear his ass up, beat the shit out of him, put him in a coma. Yeah, so I stopped counting after a thousand people. I've seen at least two thousand people breathe their last breath from a violent encounter with another individual. Do you we talked about this. H how do you decompress from that? Hey, you got to pray. You got to pray. Hey. You know, let's 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 talk about it. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. You you uh, uh you want the mm -hmm. elephant in the room? I'm gonna give Go you the elephant now. in the room. You're saying that you just coming off nine murders in in how many days? If Four days. Nine murders in four days, right? Mm -hmm. Nine murders in four days. We have all over the country police malfeasance shooting black people, right? Right. We also have black police officers. Ronald Watts 
being crooked, putting bogus charges on black men, sending them to jail, breaking up families. This nigga. And, 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 and he's supposed to be, <laughs> uh, he's he's not Alfred, but he's in a Greek fraternity. So he should have some type of empathy. And then he gets a, and gets a slap on the wrist. Right. Like, 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 attaboy. Like, ah, right. yeah, we, you still did a good job. Ah. Right. And then we scream, ah. Black Lives Matter. Now, I don't want to nullify Black Lives Matter, but man, it's hard to get everybody on board when we're killing each other over small BS right. things like yeah. uh, Instagram post or a Twitter or Facebook yeah. post. You know, so. With you being black on the police force and seeing the things that you've seen, how do you feel about Black Lives Matter? Well, to 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 start from the beginning, most of them guys he locked up, I locked up before too. So he took advantage of a situation. He's he clipped and robbed dope dealers. Watts never locked anybody up for murder, so that's a lie. Never. He never had, he never ran an investigation that locked somebody up for murder, so he didn't send them. Baker and all them was dope dealers. He stole, he stole their money and he was locking them up for the drugs they had. He was clipping them. That's what we call clipping. That's what he was doing. So oh, explain clipping is like is when you you lock somebody up for the dope the dope that they have clipping. on person. Yeah, but you but you, yeah, but you keep the money. Oh, that's what, okay. That's what he was. Okay. That's what he was actually doing. Is it fucked up? He should he have done it? Hell no. But that's that's that man business. I happen to know that the feds was new agents and they fucked the wiretaps and and, and video surveillance up. That's why he didn't get slammed. And it could have been the fact that they looked out for him because he might have been passing an envelope up. I don't know. But that's what happens. That's what has happened before in the corruption that go on in Chicago with Alderman telling you, you can have this going on if you give me $5,000 and all that other stuff. If you wore a microphone on anybody in Chicago, you probably get something on them because that's... <clears throat> That's that's the way they do business here, which is sad and fucked up. But that's what they do. Now, as far as this Black Lives Matter movement, I love the hashtag Black Lives Matter. I have no mm. problem taking no knee, all that, because I'm a black man in this motherfucker. Right. And I've been chased by white folks growing up, had to fight them. You know, motherfucker tried to drown me at Ridge Park because it was a white half white ass neighborhood you know what i'm saying so i feel it <laughs> wow. let me ask you this <laughs> have you been policing in the same area for the majority of your your career uh majority of my career i was on the south side majority of my career i worked from the projects from the low end all the way out to the to the gardens to the end of the city and i've worked in the west side i've worked in uh all predominantly black communities right, and outside and, and west side right yep have, that's because that's because i was better served to help my people by working in those communities was that your that's choice or lived. is that what your department thought that was my choice okay now have you had any white if you ever had any white um 
White partners. I've had white. No, I've never had a. No, you take. I take that back. I did have a white partner for a little while, but I've worked on a team with with white officers on the on the team. But you know they they rode in uh they rode in the car together. I rode in the car with my partner. So majority of that uh uh in my career was with same race. Okay, so in the book he was talking about implicit bias, like in chapter one, suspicious black male. Um, we, he said, when I was on the police department in Virginia, I was often dispatched to calls of a suspicious black male. And in response, I would ask via the radio, what is he doing? My question was simple. What was he doing making him suspicious other than being a black male? Generally, when I did this, my mostly white fellow officers would key the radio microphone and make a clicking sound to show of sarcastic disapproval at my question. And my supervisor might call me to ensure that I was responding to the call. Most of these calls involved nothing more than a black man waiting for a bus. He was just waiting for the bus in the wrong neighborhood. Other time, a black man was passing out flyers. Another time, a kid and his girlfriend had it planned a secret meeting in a place during the day. It was always innocuous stuff. It's not that we shouldn't investigate suspicious people, but what makes them suspicious? So my question to you is, have you ever experienced or encountered an officer harassing people that you felt like they shouldn't be harassing? Or you have a question, an officer like, man, really, why did you pull them over? Well, all right. So because the demographics of our city is different than other places and the places I work. If somebody called the police and said they were suspicious, that was another black person that called on them. Okay. Because <laughs> the neighborhoods, the neighborhoods we in, they black. Now, in the neighborhoods in which, see, because you got two different ways police stop people. They stop people by answering a call and they stop them by that implicit bias and they stop them by profiling because the job of a police officer is to profile. That's Ooh, part of our job. Speak function, on that. Is to profile because if you look like a thug and walk like a thug and talk like a thug, nine times out of ten you're going to be a thug. But there are some people that like the way that looks and they come through the neighborhood for the most part, if you're a good cop and you know how it goes, you know who you know people on your beat, you know people that live in that community. If somebody's out of place, when we say out of place, that means you're a disciple and you're in a Blackstone or Vice Lord neighborhood. You out of place, pimp. You know what I'm saying? You might get killed. I, I where you need a ride to. Or you got your hat broke off to the left and you in a motherfucking disciple neighborhood. You already know before you get to the end of this block, somebody didn't call the head and they might shoot you up. That's that's Chicago. You know what I'm saying? But I know in other places it is that. It is that. There's a there go that black boy and that nigga over there walking down the street. Hey, he gotta be up to something. Yeah. That 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 happens. I ain't denying that one at all. But our demographic here is totally different because we don't live in mixed communities. So when a black person called the police and says he's suspicious, that's because they scared. That mean that that motherfucker got a pole on him. Mm. He got a pistol or he or he looking to do something. Now, if we go in Beverly, 
and they make that call, then yeah, they profiling them. That's implicit bias. If the police stop you because you walking down the street and you black in that neighborhood there, they going to stop you. If they don't know you, they ain't never saw you before. Yes, they about to do it. Yes, I promise you that is 100 percent correct. It's going to happen. But each each one of these cases are case by case basis. Right. Do you study other municipalities? You know what? We look at ours because we look at other people's because we make them good training videos <laughs> and what, right. what not okay. to do. Okay. Yeah. You, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Like it's certain things that we won't do that other people can do. Like Lenny, like right now I'm the 10th district violence prevention chair, which they changed the community conflict resolution. So I, Sent to for districts, fifteen step process and how to avoid a violent encounter with law enforcement. Half of the stuff that we got going on and it's happening to our people by the police is because we're not educated with the law. We don't know the law. We go by what somebody telling us instead of what's in the books. We don't fight for the stuff that we need to fight for because uh, a policy of, the, of a police department does not supersede the law of dog, that that's, state. Dog, I'm a, I got to so, challenge you, Don. Like, I, I want to hear you speak more to this, but in, in, in this book, the brother tells us some very corrupt, fucked up shit that I don't see where it's about you being able to fight. Like, what happened in Ferguson or what's happening in St. Louis the way that police department was just predatory, just going after black people, trumping them up like the brother. One brother was just sitting in the park and they just, you know, my man hit him with driving without a light. He just sit in the park, driving without a license and, and false turn signal, all kind of crazy shit. I mean, I hear you say that fight back stuff, but we talking about, man, I, I, I think sometimes that's the badge talking. Like really make that for people. I don't think people can fight against the police like that. What, what, what I'm not, I'm not saying physically fighting. No, no, I don't mean physical. I mean, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Elaborate what you're saying. In, help, help in our city, in our city, just like Fulton County, Atlanta, we got to say so. So this, I'm not speaking on Ferguson where they running shit and they the majority and, and they running roughshod over us. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Because in places like that, it happened. In Chicago, you're going to get your ass whooped. I've seen police get beat the fuck up for doing the shit that they do in other cities. Like, get their mm -hmm. wigs split, beat with baseball bats, all that. Here, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, they're not gonna allow you to put your knees in, in they boy back in Chicago. The police getting stumped out. That's, that's, that's the, that's a, that's a, that's real deal, Holyfield. I've seen it happen. You're going to get hurt. There's <laughs> rules to this yeah. shit, dog. Is that what you're trying yeah. to tell me? It's some rules it's to some this rules shit. To this and when you're getting out of the you got to be telling <laughs> Yeah. Hey, you, hey, Don, speak on that. Because in the book, they talk about how corrupt <laughs> Chicago was. And, that's, and how they used to have their feet on people's neck. <laughs> How did it turn from that corruption? The niggas was fighting back. He just told you. <laughs> hey, hold on. Was it the leadership that changed? Or did the people change that caused the leadership to change? Let, 
that thump, Lenny. That's thump, a good Harvey. question. Let me, let me, it was that thump, y'all. <laughs> I miss it. was that thump. There's been a lot of Warriors taking out of Chicago, it, it, it though. It was so niggas I think coming it was out. Time. It was niggas coming out with bats and turning their phones it's, off it's, and pointing the guns at the police. Think about, how long, think, about, think about how long it's been going on, though, Lenny. You got to look at this. You got to look at this. Because of social media, people are monkey see, monkey do. So here it is. I thought y'all was some big bad wolves. I seen the video of a dude getting stomped out. So guess what? Man, I'm going to try my luck too. Fuck it. He run up on me with that bullshit. Dang. I'm going to blaze his ass up. Fuck it. Let's do it. So it ain't even organized. It's reactionary. It's, that's, that's the scary part about it. No, let's talk about let, let, Let's talk about this. And, you know, you can talk about it at your own discretion if you like. But let's talk about Laquan McDonald. Did you know Officer Van Dyke? I'm sure you did. Uh-uh. Oh, you didn't know him. All right. So the black officers that was on that that was there, that was on scene, that saw that happen and was witnessed, right? Everybody was there. Ain't nobody shoot him. Everybody knew he was having this episode. He was a safe distance away. This guy just pulls up and just unloads on him, right? Now, I understand that there's some type of pressure not to snitch on a fellow officer, right? I understand that, you know, you you, you choose your own, at, you cover your own behind for, before trying to cover somebody else behind that right. you don't know. And that person that you don't know is Laquan. They have no personal relationship with him, but they do have a personal relationship with the police force and the police force feeds their family. In a situation like that, how, how how with integrity, like integrity to yourself, how do you handle a situation like that when they come and they say, what did you see? Shit, you already know. Hey, boy, you got you you got your life raft because you going down the river. Because I'm I ain't, I ain't taking. Hmm. I, listen, first of all, my birth certificate say single birth. I came in this world by myself. I'm leave by myself. I ain't got no friends on this job. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm going to do right because my name on it. I ain't going like that. And I'm glad that they have started to bust. Don, is that you uh, walking out yeah, through the house? outside to cut the water off. You know, we got... We, he walked through, through a dungeon, dog. I got yeah, gates and yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, we yeah. got heated water in Chicago, <laughs> boy. That, that bill come quick. You know, Lori Lightfoot be, be came with her henchman for a little money. Lord, like, <laughs> no, I, I know, I know, I know. People from Chicago get tired of uh, they, they may are being made fun of on social media. Uh, she yeah, can she handle it, dog. She good but, with it. But no, I ain't going. I don't know none of my friends that's black that's gonna go like that. Now, no, it was some that, black officers in the cover up, bro. So they had it. That, that was low. I know dog. my sans is the motherfucker that. Sue department and went signed off on the paperwork. He was the black sergeant. So, as a matter of fact, he's suing. He's suing the city now. He about to get paid. For what? You know what, Ike? When Ike went, yeah, I know Ike. Yeah, the uh, the, the the detective. Yeah, he used to be a detective, a sergeant. So he didn't sign off. They brought him back as the sergeant. Told him sign off on the reports. He wouldn't do it. So they so they uh, kicked him out the unit. Oh, so he sued him for fucking with him for uh, and he ain't even whistleblow. He just said, "Shit, I ain't got nothing to do with this." No, he said it wasn't justified. He wasn't saying 
that the shooting was justified. In the book, he tells the stories where himself had to pull a police officer out the car for calling a group of people niggas around him. And he said it just so casual and cavalier that he was about to whoop his ass. Have you ever had any issues with police officers and show them like, hey, man, I'm a black man first? I've taken plenty of days. I done knocked out a couple of them. So <laughs> I ain't going to lie to you, Lenny. I, done, I laced them. You ask them about me, <laughs> they know I whoops. I ain't about to play that. I've had one. Dude, dude dusting them off. He thought it was just his team down there. I was working in projects. You know, I always work plain clothes. So he came back down and said, damn, the nigga got away. So I choked him up and whooped <laughs> like, hey, man, see, if you go tell I whooped your ass, I'm a motherfucker go tell you said the N-word, boy. You said yeah. N-word? Boy, <laughs> 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 you, you say N-word? You know I can't, you know, you know, you know, you know I can't, you know I can't say nigga to the white boy. I had, uh, I said, oh, uh, but no, you used the N-word. He was mad as... He was right. mad as hell. Yeah. He was like, man, the fucking whore hit me. Yeah, boy. You let your mouth. Yeah. You took running that motherfucking kipple, Jack. You was getting whooped. I mean, it is a lot of black police officers on the force, too. Mm -hmm. So I just can't imagine he would be so um, so cavalier and naive to, to use that type of yeah. language, especially the Chicago police when, force. When, he's around, when they're around their own kind, it come out. My daddy always told me. Motherfucker ain't your friend if you ain't never been to his house. Now, we work together. We co-work. But we ain't friends, buddy. All right, in the book, he said the problem with the police department, he kind of, he, he reworded defund the police. He didn't say defund the police. What he's saying is, he's saying that it needs to be more money allocated to things to lighten the burden on the police officer so that the police officer can stick to policing and not doing other things like mental health, truant officers, and and things like that. And he said that is one of the problems with policing, and it's stressful. What is your thoughts? I I believe that because they try to send you to CIT training, critical incident team training, and next thing you know, they think. That week, 40 hours of training, that you're going to be certified to sign somebody in for a mental evaluation. I've never signed them forms. I've refused so many times. Doctors, the, to, every it's because of culpability. The hospital wants you to sign, the police officer to sign me or a family member. You know, and I know. That most most of these home these are guys are homeless, so ain't no family member to sign them in. And if they would take, yeah, you can defund that part to put towards mental health, open these mental health facilities back up. Because do you know in Chicago we don't even lock mentals up? So say for instance, he busts your windows out your car, and you want them locked up. Now you take them to the hospital, you stay a couple days, and he out. So he come back and bust your windows again. That's that's so after a while, they know this the crazy dude in the neighborhood. Now the kids, they do the vigilante thing and hurt and whoop them. Cause he keep doing it. You know what I'm saying? 
How you send a message to somebody who brain can't even sort shit out? That's what you do. What you mean? <laughs> it's called abuse. Look, hey, <laughs> it, but it, it's not productive. It doesn't matter. One more thing, man. I heard <laughs> somebody said, man, uh, I think in Chicago, the police quit. The police were nowhere to be found during the riots. No, they were out there, but what it was is that in order to engage looters, there would be some level of violence. Some level of violence that would be cast across the nation. They didn't want it to look like 1968, the Democratic Convention, where the police were beating people. That's what it was going to, that's what it'll turn into. Because yeah, y'all didn't want to exacerbate the situation. Yeah, everything is in everything is image. And then we're talking about property. So unless somebody was doing killing you for your stuff, for us to engage that many looters, so we're talking about tens of thousands of people were stealing. Wasn't wasn't one, I mean, I've seen, I saw a car pull up to a store and a woman let her kids out to go in the store and loot and get back in. They would just climb through the window, grab some juices and some chips and got back in the car and they drove off. It was like it was theirs. I, I, I saw, it was like a free fall in Chicago. Yeah. So if, if you engage them, people going to get hurt. And for property, it's insured. You know, it might sound like that, but the bigger picture was Chicago didn't look like, want to look like we were beating citizens. I hope you enjoyed and thank you for tuning in to the Bruz Bookshelf. Please follow us on IG or Facebook where we will advertise our next book. You can email your comments to thebrusbookshelf at gmail.com. Please continue to listen, subscribe, and share.